Kendra, did you always want to be in sales? Was this a lifelong dream ever since you were little kindergarten, you're drawing like pictures of salespeople or did you accidentally fall into it? I uh, accidentally fell into it. Like some of my other favorite salespeople. Um, no, I was going to be a large animal veterinarian specialized in dairy cows. That's how does one go from a veterinarian specializing in dairy cows into sales? It seems like they're not related at all. Yeah. So, you know, unless I'm convincing farmers of things, um, no, they're not, they're not really. So as the story goes, I didn't make it into vet school twice and instead went and got a master's of ag econ and got to work with some really amazing uh, vulnerable communities in the Altiplano Highlands in southern Peru for my master's work and then got out of that and kind of was poking around like, oh crap, what do I, what do I do now? And bounced around through a couple jobs. And I had a really amazing opportunity with a little tech startup called Patient to be the first employee there. And I kind of got pushed into sales because it I somebody needed to do sales. So great, I'll do it. But if I look back to my um, childhood, I was selling 4-H cookies, fundraising since I was seven, any any person that needed a champion or organization that needed a fundraiser, I was there. <laughs> now, sales has such a bad reputation. You know, you think of sales, you're like, mm, use car salesperson, it's salesy, manipulative and gross. Was that your experience or was that your expectation? Were you thinking that when you went into it? Or were you thinking something different? I was thinking something different because my mom was in sales and I watched how my mom did sales and what that really looked like was listening and then sharing a solution or thoughts or just being with that person in the moment uh, whenever they were expressing what the issue really was. And now, of course, there were the times of the like negotiation with the manager at the grocery store that we were all cringing like, mom, please don't do it. Stop, stop. But she Chris Vossed it and would get those coupons <laughs> taken care of past expiration. But sales to me was never sales in the skeezy sense of it. Um, sales for me has always been the opportunity to help. What was it about your mom that made her such a good listener? It seems like she was really someone you admired in that way. When you talk to my mom, you were the only one in the entire world. She has the ability to hone in to you, to your space, to your world, and you feel totally absorbed and open to sharing anything and everything. Has she always been that way? Yeah. And are you that way too? Is that rubbed off on you at all? Or is that something that you've learned and you've had to skill up on? Um, I'd like to think that it's rubbed off on me. I don't do a great job of <laughs> talking about myself like that. But I hope that when people talk to me or spend time with me, they feel like, you know, I'm just totally focused on them and that they feel safe to, to open up and share whatever's happening, whether it's personal or business. Most of the time on calls that I make or meetings, it, it, turns into to an amalgamation of both. Now, this is tough because when you call someone you don't know, there's this bias that they know, right? It's like a salesperson. They know the salesperson has a vested interest in trying to get something, trying to get a sale. They know that when they're saying stuff, it's towards getting a sale. So how do you, in short order, 
lower what I like to call like an anti-persuasion force field that people have up within moments because that's a very real thing. It's a very visceral reaction, you know, rightfully so, because maybe people have had skeevy experiences with salespeople. Maybe they've called them at six o'clock when they're reading dinner trying to sell something. So what do you do to lower that shield a little bit so you can have somebody maybe be a little bit more open to having a conversation with you? How did I lower the shield for you? Yeah, so let's get into that. So let's actually, that's a great segue. So this is a great segue. So several months ago, I'm in the car with my wife and my cell phone rings, don't recognize the number. And I pick it up and I hear Kendra on the other line. And I wrote this line down because this was her opening line. She said, hey, Josh, it's Kendra from Gravy. I'm just calling you going through the Starbucks. And she did it in this voice that is very much what you're hearing on the phone. And it was almost impossible because the voice was so friendly and non-threatening to say, what are you getting there at Starbucks? And that's, that's how our conversation started. But I do want to dissect that a little bit before we go into the next part of the call, because those first five seconds are really super critical. And what I realized right off the bat was that you were a red X in a sea of white circle openings. Most people that cold call me sound like traditional salespeople. Hey, Josh, my name is Matt with Acme. And can I steal 27 seconds to tell you why I call? Automatic, the pressure is already starting. I'm already on the clock. Um, So it's automatically my, my, my persuasion shield is up. Um, but you used a very different approach. I'm assuming that's intentional, but would love to unpack it a little bit. Yeah, um, I I would love for me to be able to swing in and say all these great things about how I plan, how I do this, and and I don't. Um, how I call people is because I look at I look at their LinkedIn, maybe the website, and then if there's a picture of them, great, and I keep the picture up in front of me when I'm calling somebody because that's the real human on the other end. So whatever, whether it's LinkedIn or something else, um, I'm calling you, right? I'm not calling because I'm calling because it's my job. I'm calling you a person because I'm an extrovert and I love meeting people. <laughs> so you're an extrovert, you love meeting people and the picture allows you to humanize the call rather than just calling a prospect you're calling a person and that changes your intent a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. It's It would be wicked if I was just given a, a list in an Excel sheet and told to, to dial it like a, a speed dialer or something where it's calling five numbers and maybe somebody picks up. Um, my brain can't handle that. I can't process that and just have somebody being like, hello, without me uh, knowing who they are. And um, obviously you only know what's, what's available, you know, online, or if there's an article written or something like that. So maybe my cold calls take a little bit longer than everybody else's. But for me, it's really important that I'm calling this person who has a story and a goal and a dream and ideas about things and have been through hard times. And here they are the COO of this company, and maybe they would be a good fit for gravy. Okay, so you said a couple things that I want to really focus in on. So many salespeople, when they pick up the phone, their intent is to book a meeting. And notice if you're listening to this, nowhere did Kendra say, my intent is to book a meeting. She used the word maybe, and she actually started being curious about the person on the other end of the phone. And I think when you have that intent, when you are detached from the outcome, and you're not assuming that everyone's going to drop everything that they're doing to book a meeting with you, it does change how you behave 
and it does change how you say things. Um, when your intent is to book a meeting, you end up sounding a lot like a stereotypical salesperson, which again can put up some persuasion guards. So it sounds like this starts with intent. Yeah, that's that would be a, a great a great way to say it. It does it does start with intent because I never want people to feel like I'm squeezing them into a corner. I I don't like that. So I would never do that to somebody else, right? And if I do, I apologize because I can feel it. Maybe I slip up and I say something or or I know that they are exactly what gravy helps. Um, and sometimes I'll I'll be like, oh, oh no, you're like, you're leaving. Oh no. Um, but it does, it begins with intent. And my intent on the call is to be curious and to find out if this truly is a problem for them. And in the case of you, Josh, if you even know that it's, that it exists in the world of, of what you do. Yeah, we're going to get into this as we get deeper into the script. But something else that you said that I think is really something people should pay attention to, I call this red lights, yellow lights, and green lights. So when you're sensing someone is pushing back or they're feeling sold or there's this feeling like they're getting angry, um, I like to picture like a red light in my head. And therefore, what I don't want to do is try to overcome that and pitch. Um, what Kendra is saying, and I 100% agree, is mm, I'm at a red light here. I got I to gotta back up. I got to say like, I'm so, hey, I'm sorry. I can't, I, sounds like I came across the wrong way. My, my intent certainly isn't to get you to move forward or persuade or get you to switch in any way. It sounds like I'm being really too, too aggressive. And, and what you'll find when you do that in an authentic way, not as a tactic to get something, is most of the time people will rescue you um, a little bit. And the, the story I always tell Cheryl Crow she did a concert in Tampa, Florida a while back, and she forgot the lyrics to one of her famous songs. Um, I can't even remember the song now, but she basically said, man, I can't believe I forgot the lyrics to this song. I'm getting old. This is what happens. And people helped her out and cheered her on because when you're vulnerable, um, it humanizes you. So I really, I really love that. And again, this is sort of, is this kind of how you're wired? This sounds like it is how you're, yeah, how you're wired. It, yeah, it, it is. And one of the things that I apologize for the most is getting too excited. And I do that. I have to do that on a, on on my cold calls. I do it um, when I'm in a disco sometimes, and I have to go. I am so sorry. I got way too excited about that because I know that my big energy can be really overwhelming, and it's something that that I work on. So it does go back to intent that I have fumbled through some really terrible cold calls because the person on the other end knows that I am genuinely giving this a shot. And it gives you a lot of grace. It provides opportunities for you to, to mess up and make mistakes and apologize and still keep somebody on the phone while you're still trying to ask them questions. When you show up and, and can be real with them and say, oh my gosh, I, I just, I screwed that up. I am so sorry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Voss calls us an accusation audit. You know, something else I noticed about your call and even now so many people sound like they put on this sales voice when they pick up the phone. They don't sound like that when you talk to them off of the call because I've spoken to salespeople out of cold call me and then we've had conversations afterwards and they sound just like a normal person that you would maybe have chat with over coffee. But why do you think that happens when people pick up a phone that they put on this like sales voice? Like, hey, uh, this is Josh with Acme. And they just don't, they don't sound like they're a normal person, whatever that means for them. They, they sound a little more salesy. What do you think's going on there? 
Because you sound like you do like normally. <laughs> I think it's there. It's just it's just instincts, right? I fall into that too. I do that. I do that also, and I have to catch myself. I think it's nerves as well, right? I there's there truly there are not that many people out there who thoroughly enjoy just calling random people all day long. And so that's a protective mechanism of the person that if maybe they just sound a little different, it's not them. So that also is a, is a layer of protection that people put up that when they get rejected, it's not them. Um, it's their persona. It's their sales persona. But if you can be vulnerable in sales calls and also separate rejection from that, then you can call somebody as you, right? My little phone. Yeah, I love that. Right I, I think one of the one of the reasons people really feel like that is they're attaching their self worth to the outcome of the call, and therefore, when they don't get that ext extrinsic motivation, they feel less than. And if I'm understanding your approach, you're really detached from that. You're not assuming. You're like, hey, I got this idea that might be able to help this person do something better that they might not know about. And if they have this issue, great. If not, that's okay too. I'm really indifferent. Um, to the outcome. So I think that that intent shines through. Okay, so let's let's keep going down through the call. So when you said you were at Starbucks, I asked you what you were drinking. And I think you said, it, I wrote this down as I was in the car. I made my wife pull the car over because I'm like, I got to write this down because I'll forget because I'm old. I don't remember anything. I think you said it's an Americano. Is that right? Yep. Is that what you were? It is an Americano. So I go, so you said it's an Americano and it's amazing. <laughs> Something like that. And I was like, this is such a different cold call. I'm like, that sounds delicious. Um, and then I think at some point I said, what can I do for you? And this is where the call got really interesting. Um, you, you gave this one sentence, and I'm going to read it um, for you because I thought it was really fantastic. Um, and you asked a question at the end of it to pass the potato back. Um, one of the mistakes, I don't, shouldn't say it's a mistake. One of the things that it's hard on a cold call is when you're talking too, too much at someone. When you're talking at them, the brain sort of turns off and they feel like they're being sold. But the idea here is to turn it into a conversation. And so you said, hey, Josh, you know what we do in a sentence, uh, we recover failed credit card payments for business owners that sell digital products. Now I sell a digital product. And then you said, does that sound interesting? And then I said, not really. I don't have any failed payments. Now, normally when you would say that to somebody, they would try to overcome that objection. But Kendra, since she studied in Vossian, said no fail payments, which is called a mirror. And oftentimes when you do that, it's gonna elicit some more information from the person. And I said, no, uh, I have payments for my badass B2B growth guide are, po are processed through Stripe. Now, instead of trying to overcome that, and I'm gonna pass this back to you, I promise, but I thought this was so well done. You asked a million dollar question uh, that really got me to think a little differently about my current solution. You're trying to highlight a problem I didn't know that I had. And you said, hey, that's no problem. So that word right there, when you said that's no problem, that to me was like, you're not overcoming it. You're just like saying, that's okay. Um, just, just out of curiosity, how do you know you don't have failed payments through Stripe? Now, I don't know if you remember this point in the call, but I said, I don't know. And I think that was the answer you were kind of going for there. Yeah. Is, that, is that kind of where you were, where you were going? Yeah, it was. Um, so you said, you said no, that you don't have failed payments um, through Stripe. And I know that Stripe is a payment processor that we work in all the time. So my goal was to get you to tell me if you knew that or not. 
if you were keeping up with your information and you knew that as as two two pieces to that. One, did you know that as the person I'm talking to? Two, do you know about your failed payments as the CEO of your company? Right? Like it's your job. You're supposed to care about these things as the as the head of this. So if you don't know that, that's also an opportunity for me to help. So the reason I think this is a million dollar question, um, I call these illumination questions. And what they do is they allow someone to think differently about how they're currently getting the job done today. The answer you're sort of trying to elicit is someone thinking to yourself, I'm not sure. What, what do you mean? You know, one of the examples that I always talk about is this email that I got from this place called Adam's Car Wash Supplies, which was brilliant. I like to wash my car on the weekends. I use a normal bucket and a sponge. And the email said, how do you know your car wash sponge isn't going to scratch your car? I was like, what? And it turns out that if you wash your car in a normal bucket, you can get dirt on it. They could scratch your car and they sell a new type of bucket with a grate on the bottom and you rub your sponge on the grate, dirt bottom of the bucket of your car and off your car. Brilliant. Bottom of the... All right. So, but I didn't know it's the same kind of yeah. idea here that you asked me. I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure. And then this was something else that you did brilliantly. Um, instead of you assuming that I knew or didn't know and then pitching, because oftentimes when you pitch and you try to persuade people put up the anti-persuasion shield because they know you have a vested interest. So what you did is you tried to get me to come to my own conclusions. You're sort of passing the ball back to me and seeing if I have any motivations for my own. And you said something to the effect of this. Um, hey, Josh, you know, I don't know either. But if you'd like, I can send you instructions on how to check in Stripe, which I had absolutely, I don't think I've ever even logged into Stripe. I had someone else set it up. Um, and then if you have failed payments, we can talk again. How does, this, how does that sound? So a couple things there. When I said, I'm not sure, instead of Kendra saying, well, I am, which would again, raise my alert, um, she's leaning back and saying, well, I'm not either. I don't know, I haven't logged into your Stripe. I don't, I'm probably not allowed in there. Um, but if you'd like, I'll send you some information. You could check exactly how to do it. And if you have some failed payments, um, we could talk again. How does that sound? And I said, that sounds great because she's not giving me anything to push back on. There's no reason that she's not selling me on a meeting. She's not selling me on a product. She's seeing if there's a problem that I can see for myself that would warrant. And this is what was so powerful about this call relative to every other call I've ever gotten, which is why I wanted to have you on this podcast, is because I felt like you were guiding me, not persuading me, and you were helping me discover my own reasons why I might want to switch rather than you giving me yours. Is this all part of your mastermind? Do you th is this me just dissecting this? Like I dissect Beatles songs. Hey, Paul McCartney, how did you write Strawberry Fields? Did you do this? Did you do that? No, dude, I was just smoking weed. I just wrote it. Like, is this something that you're 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 consciously doing, or am I, mean, I am I reading too deep? Into this? If I could say that this is like a Brian Wilson's Pet Sounds, that would be great. But it's not. It's not. This is um, no. I. I appreciate this, Josh, and and I'm learning. I'm learning from this too, right? Because sometimes we know that we do things, but we don't know what the impact is. We know that we do something, but we don't know what to call it, or we don't know if it really is impactful, right? I have reached out and talked to 10, 20, 30 people. Hey, can you practice cold calls with me? Can you practice with me? And everybody does it differently. Everybody does it in a different way. And what you got from me was my default was not me trying somebody else's way to cold call, wasn't me looking at a script. What you got was my default. And it and um, it's exciting to know that my heart came through in that, which is, can I help? 
Yeah, it, it's it certainly did. And and again, I think the uniqueness of this was that I was the one leaning forward and asking and talking and having a conversation. And I was coming to these conclusions on myself rather than you explaining and persuading and pitching. Um, so then, so then you sent me right after we got the call, the instructions. Um, this is something else that's rare. Believe it or not, as crazy as this sounds, people actually doing what they say they're going to do. So that I'm um, going to, I'm going to stop you right there. That's actually a value at gravy. Doing what we say we'll do is a value at gravy that we what are. Do you, what do you mean? This is something that you're taught. Yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily that we're taught, but it is a value at gravy. And what that means is they also share what do what we say we'll do means and also what it doesn't mean so that we can align ourselves with values. Um, and the majority of the time, like we already hold these values, right? Like do what we say we'll do as part of the integrity of, of me. Um, so it was really special to jump into gravy and know that like, that's a value that the company holds. So it is kind of, it is foreign to me to the idea that if you say you'll message somebody, their information or your information, and then they don't do it. It's like, well, would have taken you 30 seconds or less. Like what you just lost that relationship. Why do you think that's so damaging? When you tell someone you're going to do something and you don't do it, hey, maybe I'll just get to it in three days or whatever. Oh, it's like, trust. What? I mean, any any moment of reciprocity, any moment of trust that came from the two minutes on the phone is gone, and you're and you're gone also. Like you're forgotten about. You don't you you messaging them a week later doesn't mean anything. They don't know who you are. Yeah, and I'm always one to think to myself when that happens to give the other person the benefit of the doubt. You know, that's my default, like maybe something happened to them or God forbid they had a struggle in their family. But sometimes it's just them, you know, dropping the ball. I had this happen recently. I just got some quotes for pools. I had to get my, my pool redone. I went on a site called Thumbtack and this guy had amazing reviews. He came out to the house, loved him. He was awesome. And I'm like, great, when, I, when can I get a quote? He goes, I'll have it free tomorrow. I go, phenomenal. Tomorrow came, no quote. Next day, no quote. Next day, no quote. So I'm back on Thumbtack again. Another guy comes out. He says the same thing. He sends me a quote the next day. Five days later, the guy calls and says, hey, I got the quote. I'm like, all right, I hired somebody else. Like, so this is very real. And it's amazing how many times it happens to me on Thumbtack, at least, and even in sales. So you sent this document and the document was clear. Um, it wasn't a hundred page document because if it was a hundred page document, I'm probably not doing it just because of the way it looks. It was about three steps. Even someone like me could do it. Uh, so I went on to Stripe, which I, again, I've never even been in Stripe. I can't even remember. I had to figure out how to get in there first, which was not Kendra's issue. I don't, I don't know about Stripe. So I get it. I get in Stripe. I click the areas where she tells me to click. And it turns out that I didn't have a problem with failed payments for whatever reason. So I responded back to her and say, Hey, it looks like I don't have any problem. And I actually sent her a screenshot just to make sure I was even doing it right, because I'm not very confident in my Stripe abilities. That's a new word I just made up, by the way, Stripe abilities. And then Kendra said, rather than trying to sell me, which would be the normal thing because everyone has quotas, she said, hey, that's okay. Um, but if you ever bump into this issue, uh, we're here. And what I wrote down in the car was seed, meaning what she did is she planted a seed. And oftentimes in sales, we don't think it's a win, unless we actually book a meeting. But I think it's a win when you actually make a phenomenal impression, you actually plant the seed, which can 
grow um, into a tree, um, it could certainly land you on a podcast um, and get your company some press and get you some press. And certainly if I ever have this issue, there's nobody else I'm reaching out to than Kendra. And certainly if anyone's listening to this or in my network and has this issue around failed payments or other people that I know, I'm gonna say call Kendra. I probably won't say the name of your company, I'll say you at Gravy because you're the one that made the difference. So again, I, I wanna applaud you on this cold call because I get again, I get cold calls probably about 20 or five or 30 a week and I take them all because of the business that I'm yeah. in. Um, but this one really stood out, Kendra, and I just want to applaud you on it. Such a job, well, well, well done. Well, thank you, thank you so much, Josh. It's this is my first podcast. So how's it been? What, did it live up to your expectations? You're like, ah, eh, it's not not so. No, I, I have my anymore. notebook. I wrote down what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> what's happening now? So um, I'll give my review. You can get on YouTube, search for it. It's fine. <laughs> so Kendra, a couple things before we talk. If someone wants to get better at this. So new salesperson yes. just coming into the profession and they want to get better at this. What types of things should they be doing to level up? Yeah, in in um, my brand new sales kid myself opinion, it's getting, getting the marbles out before you do it. You know that your first 10 uh, can very easily just be crap and that's okay. And it's also okay to be transparent with that. Like these people that you are calling are people. So remind yourself of that. And that's the other reason why I put the picture up because they're a person too. Like they might be the CEO of a company that's making billions of dollars of revenue that, that you're calling. He's still a person. She is still a person. Um, and so the ways to level up are just a practice. And that sounds cliche perhaps, but that's what you do. You just practice and then you begin to find your flow. Reach out to coworkers. I've cold called my manager in the middle of the day, like checked his calendar. Okay, I'm going to do it. Um, cold call relatives who share the same positions that you're calling. Everybody has somebody in their family that you can pick up and cold call. It is hilarious to cold call relatives. It's also great practice because they're- How do you cold call a relative? What yeah. do you, what, 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 Go through your phone, find your, find your aunt, find your cousin, find your uncle. Call them. <laughs> but don't they already know you? Are these estranged relatives? Like, no, this is a, like, they, do, you... they do They do know you, but you're cold calling on behalf of your company. Like you're pitching your relatives. That's the, I see. That's, the, that's the trick because those moments lighten you up too, right? Like having, having conversations before you cold call, whether with a teammate or a relative or something else and practicing first, then when you start to do it, it's fine. The other thing that I don't know if it's a level up, but it's definitely been a hack that has tremendously helped me is I have a cold calling buddy. His name is Michael DePollins. He's my my best friend in the whole world um, from a coworker perspective and probably in real life now too. But we get on Zoom together and he goes on mute and I make the call on speakerphone and then we switch and just go back and forth. And again, maybe it takes a little bit longer, but then you can get real time feedback from your person who's listening. And then also if somebody is a, an ass, you can laugh about it together and then they're going to go do the same thing. So that is like, that is life changing to have a cold calling partner. Do you always have this energy? Like one of the things that I noticed about you on LinkedIn when I was looking through your feed is you've got this real positive, energetic mindset. Have you always been wired that way? Yep. 
It's been, how much does that play into it? Because mindset is really important. Yeah, mindset. In sales and in, and call, and you have got this real positive mental attitude. It um, you know, it, it's cultivated through tragedy, as it is, I think, for most people. And when you go through difficult times, you have the opportunity to break down old habits and replace them with new ones and build new foundations. And one of the things that's come out of really difficult times for me is this deep, deep belief that the universe works for the good of all things at all times. And so whatever is happening right now, whether you deem it bad, horrible, or otherwise, it will eventually yield itself into something good. And that removes a tremendous amount of anxiety and, and darkness or um, fear about things. If I sit in whatever's happening and say, you know what, eventually there's going to be a little bit of sunshine here. And I'm going to take this as a lesson and write it down and learn from it. And we're going to keep going. And that's all that we can do. That is so wise. I mean, I think the older that I get, I realize that everything's going to be okay. Like when I was younger, I thought I'd have a bad week or a bad quarter in sales and it would be the end of the world. But I still was able to eat a California roll. Like I still had soup. Everything was good. I still was able to watch Netflix. Like there's going to be these ups and downs, but everything's going to be okay in the end. And it may seem like it's tragic and it's going to be the worst and it's never going to be better, but it always picks up. I love that, Kendra. That's so insightful. You have been absolutely phenomenal on your first podcast. I hope it was a good experience. If people want to learn a little bit more about you or connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. If they connect with me on LinkedIn and and send over a little message, I'd be happy to chat with, with anyone and, and hear their stories. And um, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Kendra, for dropping, dropping so many knowledge bombs today. Oh, my goodness. I don't know about that. Thank you for having me. I'm, it's, it's been wonderful.